Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our Sunday sermon series, Different. God has called us to live in such a way that honors Him. We're not supposed to embrace the principles of the world, but live from the standards set by God's Word. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. We, we, we're starting a new series here called Different. Say different. And how many believe that God has called us to be different? And when we look in the Word of God, and I haven't preached here for a whole month. You believe that? It's kind of, kind of strange preaching here already this morning. Uh, but, but God is calling us to be different. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to be different. You have a different passion you have different values. Uh, uh, you have different uh, uses of your time, uses of your resources. When you're different as a Christian, you're a different parent. You're a different person. Am I right? Your whole life is different. And I want to talk about the difference that you and I make and why God is calling us to be different. And when I say that we're different, I'm not talking about we're weird, but we're transformed by the power of God. There's something new in us this morning. And so I want to read just a couple of verses of Scripture. In fact, I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture, so you're going to be reading a lot, or we're going to be, I'm going to be quoting a lot of Scriptures. You're going to have to write them down. But I, I wanted to get this point across to you out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Let me read the, that verse of Scripture. It said, Therefore, with minds that are, are, are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ uh, is revealed by his coming, or at his coming, as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. The Bible says we were ignorant of the things of God before we came to God. So he said, don't do that. Don't go, don't follow those evil desires. But just as he called you uh, is holy, or just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. And since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So I want to pray this morning that God would help us today. Father, we thank you for the precious word of God. Your word is so powerful. Your word is so true. And it applies to our lives again in 2019. And so, Father, we pray today, let us receive the word into our hearts and soul that, God, we not only hear it, but we apply it and let it transform our lives in so many ways because your word will release truth in our lives and change us. So, God, I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare your word today. And, Father, I pray the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And the people said... Amen. So the Bible says, be holy. And that word holy, many times when we hear the word holy, we're saying, man, that, that is so far from me. But really what it means to be holy is to be set apart, is to separate your life, consecrated before God. And God is looking for people that are set apart because God has called us to, to live apart from everyone else in the sense of our morals of our values. In fact, 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 said, He chose him, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, blameless in his sight. The Bible says that our purpose is to live a holy life. Also in 2 Timothy 1, 9, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The grace that was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So there's something about you and I that are different because Jesus is in our life. It distinguishes us different from other people. Our lifestyle is different. The way we think is different. The way we value things is different. And we live in a day and time today where people are embracing whatever you want to do. If it feels good, do it. Just do it. doesn't matter what you do. And I want to encourage you today that the Scripture definitely tells us to be different. In fact, the Bible says there in verse 17 of 1 Peter, it says that since you are called or since you're called or since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. What that scripture is saying that we're living here temporarily. We may be in this world, but we're not of this world. This world is passing by. In other words, we're passing through. We have a higher calling. Our calling is to be different. And so the scripture is telling us today, though we live in the culture and in the society that we live in today, one of the biggest obstacles as a Christian is we desire to fit in. Can I just tell you as a Christian, you're not going to fit into everything. There's going to be some things that you're not going to be able to fit in because they don't line up with the Word of God. There are some things that you won't do because of Christ in you. Can you say amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 1, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the scripture is telling us to stand out, to be transformed. And I don't know about you, but what is normal anyway in the world that we live in today? The world that we live in today, uh, uh, addiction is normal. Brokenness is normal. Divorce is normal. Abuse is normal. All of these things, I, I don't want normal. I want a new way of living. I want my life to be different than what the world is. And one of the, one of the goals of the Christian is to have a new perspective. And this is why the scripture says, uh, uh, put on the mind of Christ. The scripture tells us in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So the way you think is what you become. If you were here Wednesday night, my son Omar said this. He said, what is occupying the space of your mind? You are what you think. And so the way you think is what you become, and it begins to dictate and steer the behavior of your life. And so, as a Christian this morning, we need to have a goal that we need to get our minds renewed. We need, we need to have a change of mind. We need to get a new perspective. Say perspective. We need to get a new perspective. And the way we do that is we put on the mind of Christ. I'm really surprised by so many Christians that they've been saved for so many years, but they don't think any different. They don't act any different. Oh, I'm preaching this morning, so 
I, you know, I haven't preached in a month, so help, bear with me this morning. I got a lot to say. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says, We can understand these things because now we have the mind of Christ. What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? What does it mean this morning that now we have, in other words, we have a new perspective, we have a new outlook on life. Again, what we think begins to steer our behavior, and when we begin to put on Christ's perspective, how do we know what Christ's perspective is? Is We got the Word of God. If you were here Wednesday night, again, my son Omar talked about the Word of God reveals who Jesus is. The Word of God tells you how to think and how to live. And so we get the perspective of who Jesus is by reading the Word of God. Uh, how many remember there was back in the 90s, uh, they came out with something called WWJD. How many, how many know what that What would Jesus do? Did anybody familiar with that? Everybody heard of that before? All of us probably did at one point. And can I tell you where that came from? <clears throat> I know it became a fad and everybody was wearing these bracelets, WWJD, people were saying it. But it actually started with a youth group in Michigan. And these youth began to want to apply what Jesus said. They wanted to apply it to their daily life. And so whenever they came up on a decision or temptation, they made these little bracelets that said WWJD. And they would look at the bracelet and they would say, what would Jesus do? In other words, what would the Word of God, how would Jesus, according to his Word, do things? And so the WWJD was a reminder of how they were to think and how they were to act. Now, of course, it took on this, you know, people all over were wearing them and they got national attention. But in actuality, to these teenagers, they wanted to live their life transformed by the power of God. So I'm going to read that verse again, 1 Corinthians 2.16. It says, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who, who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. In other words, this morning, we are able to be different when we begin to get Christ's perspective. Do you know that the word Christian means to be Christ-like? Not just to like Christ, but to be Christ-like. We get a lot of people that like Christ on Facebook, right? Yeah, like Christ, but they're not Christ-like. So is it possible this morning to be to like Christ, but don't know what Christ is like? God wants us to be Christ-like. We're supposed to live the way Christ lived, and we're supposed to think the way Christ thinks. We're supposed to be different than the world. People should be able to see that there's a difference in your life. People should be able to see your perspective, uh, what you post on Facebook, what you post or what, what you tweet. There, there ought to be a difference in what you're saying. They ought to see the difference. So I'm going I'm to talk, talk about 10 different things that should clarify that you're different. And I'm probably not going to get through all of them, okay? So if you want to go to second, come to second service, I'll maybe be able to finish them. Number one, are you ready for this? When you are different, when you begin to think different, you are confident in your identity. You know who you are. Today we have an identity crisis going on. 
People don't know if they're black, white. People don't know if they're a man or a woman. People don't know what's going on. I don't know about you, but I know who I am. And yet people today don't know who they are. And yet the Bible tells us that Jesus knew exactly who he was. When we put on the mind of Christ, you know exactly who you are. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew what his purpose was. He knew why he was here. In fact, I'm going to read you several scriptures that prove that Jesus knew his identity. Uh, in John 8, 12, he said, I am the bread of life. In John 10, 11, I am the light of the world. In John 11:25, I am the good shepherd. Uh, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, uh, and the life. Uh, in John 15, 1, I am the true vine. In Mark chapter 10, verse 61, I am the son of God. Today we have movies, and when you look at these movies about Christ, he's kind of trying to discover who he is. Can I tell you, that's a bunch of fiction. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew why he came. He knew his purpose. He didn't have an identity crisis. And can I tell you today, there's someone that knows who you are because he's your creator, and that's God. God created you for a reason. He knows your purpose. He knows why you're here. And friend, if you want to find out who you are, you need to talk to your creator. You need to ask God, God, why am I here? Jesus knew exactly who he was, why he was here. And friend, today, if you don't know who you are, you're going to fall into a lot of different traps. When you don't know your identity, you're going to be pressured by people People are going to be trying to force you to be who they want you to be. You're going to be molded by other people. And people are going to mold you. You're going to be tempted and manipulated by other people's expectation. Your boyfriend is going to want you to be who he wants you to be. Your girlfriend, your boss, they're going to manipulate you. Your friends, you know what? You need to be a drinker, a tweaker, a smoker, a toker, all these different things, whatever they are. They're going to want you to be who they want you to be. And all of these things, they're going to try to mold your life. And you're going to fall into a trap where you're going to begin to live a phony life. You're going to be trying to live somebody or be somebody you're not. Are you listening to me? We used to have this guy in high school. I just won't forget him. He was in high school, and every month he would have these flamboyant outfits that he would wear. And, and one month he was this guy who was, I don't know, these weird outfits. The next month he was somebody else. The next month after that, I go, this guy just don't know who he is. And I remember it was this psychology class that we took there in high school, and, and, and somebody was to write something about you by, with one word. And so everybody around the class wrote something about each person, and they put the note on your desk. And my friend put one word that described this guy. And this guy was so mad because you, you didn't know who wrote it. And he looked at the word, and it said, imposter. <laughs> you don't know who you are, do you? And the guy was turned around. Who wrote this? And my friend was on the side. He goes, I wrote it. I wrote it. <laughs> he was telling me. Imposter. You know, we have a lot of imposter Christians today. You're an imposter. You don't know who you are. You're trying to be what everybody else wants you to be. 
What happens today when you don't know your identity, you're going to put you're going to put your life through a bunch of stress. You're going to be stressed out because you're trying to be what everybody else wants you to be. You're being pulled one way and being pulled another. Number two, are you ready for this? When you know, uh, when you have the mind of Christ, when you are different today, you know your purpose in life. You know why you're here. Say purpose. Jesus knew exactly why he was here. He knew what his vision was, what his goal was. Uh, in fact, in John 8, 14, he said, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. Do you know where you came from? Do you know where you're going? Do you have any direction for your life today? Do you know the God who created you and why he created you? Do you know your purpose in life do you know that Jesus knew exactly who he was? Even at 12 years old, the Bible says that, that uh, his family had, had, went, had went to Jerusalem and then they left and they, they were in a caravan of people and family. And, and after three days, his, his mom and dad start, thought that he was among the relatives and they started looking for him. They go, no, he's not with us. So finally, they, they, they went back to Jerusalem it reminds me of some couples here that, that actually, uh, it's happened a couple of times where people left and their, and their son was sleeping under the, the chairs there. And they go, I go, what, what happened? They go, well, we forgot one of the kids. I go, man, poor guy, man. <laughs> anyway, so here's Jesus apparently. Three days later, they're in the caravan and the family's looking for Jesus. They go back to Jerusalem. And where is Jesus at? He's at the temple teaching the religious people. They came and said, Jesus, what are you doing here? He said, I'm about, don't you know, I'm about my father's business. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew his purpose. He knew why he was here. And I just want to say this to you, that many young people this morning may not know who they are. But can I tell you, if you bring your kids to church, God's going to give them some identity. I believe this morning... Let me just tell you, I know a lot of, of men and women of God today that they knew exactly what their calling was when they were 10 or 12 years old. My pastor, she was five years old, she said, and she knew the call of God on her life. And so we think, so let me just ask you this. Are you preparing your children for their purpose? Because I'm going to tell you today, they could learn it. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, my purpose is to give my life in, or to give you life in all its fullness. So God or Jesus knows exactly what his purpose was. He knew why he was here. In fact, when he went to the garden and he, was, he knew that he was going to die, he said this prayer, which is really powerful. In John 12, 27, he says, my soul is deeply troubled right now. He said, my soul is deeply troubled, so what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. He said, no, it was for this purpose that I have come. Jesus knew why he came. Number three, are you ready for this? Number three, when we have the mind of Christ, when we are different, we are aware that God is with us. Tell somebody and say, God's with us. You're aware. You, you become aware that God's with you today. He, Jesus always knew that the Father was with him. Are you aware that the presence of God is with you? Are you aware this morning? Are you in connection with God? See, how do you become aware of God's presence? 
You become aware through prayer. That's pretty good, huh? You become aware through prayer. When you pray, you be, when, when you're in prayer, you become aware. When you begin to get in connection with God this morning, when you take some time to talk to God, then all of a sudden this morning, you become aware of his presence. You know that God's with you. Uh, one of the greatest antidotes to loneliness this morning is prayer. Say prayer. When you begin to connect with God, Jesus often, the Bible says, he often took some time away to pray. If Jesus had to take some moments to go and pray, how much more should we? The Bible says in Luke 15, 16, John, uh, Jesus often slipped away alone so he could pray. You know what that word often means? It means habitually. Jesus did it all the time where he slipped away and he got in the presence of God. Jesus felt the need to get in the presence of God. He felt the need to seek God every day. And let me just say this to you. You miss the gift of God when you fail to get with God. I'm going to say it again. You miss the gifts of God when you fail to get with God. Many of us this morning, the reason why we don't receive God's gift, the reason why we don't feel the presence of God, is not because the church. Church should not, be, uh, should not fulfill the deficit of your devotion with God. You ought to be in prayer all week. You ought to be ready for God all week this morning. And by the time you get to church, it's not the time, well, now I'm going to talk to God. You should have been talking to God all week. Are you with me? And so, basically, you should have the presence of God operating in your life. When you're too busy to spend time with God, you're way too busy. And here's what the thing I believe this morning, that prayer ought, ought, to, be, ought to be in every part of our lives this morning. you, you got to take some time. You know, we're here, there, and everywhere, right? But we're, we're not in prayer. We're not becoming aware of God's presence in our life. And I believe today if we can just, sometimes we just need to be quiet, need some quiet time with God and say, God, I need to seek you. I want to be different. I need to hurry up here. Number four, when we have the mind of Christ, when we're different, we speak differently. We choose our words differently. In other words, what comes out of your mouth needs to be different than the world. When you think differently, you speak differently. Am I right? We, we need to manage our mouth. Mouth management. Right? Mouth management. Jesus said this. He said, I don't speak without thinking. In other words, I, I don't speak just what I want to speak. Look, look at what he says in John 12, 49. He says, uh, he says, I have not spoken on my own. Instead, the Father who sent me tells me what I should say and how I should say it. So when Jesus spoke, he wasn't speaking by his own accord or his own initiative. He was speaking those things that God told him to speak. Wouldn't your relationship be a lot better if you spoke what God tell you, tell you to speak or, 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 or if you spoke the things that God told you to say? I mean, my goodness, sometimes our relationships, the reason why they're failing is because we're saying all the wrong stuff. Here is Jesus is saying, you know what? I'm not speaking what I want to say. I'm speaking what God wants me to say. And I believe we would avoid a lot less conflict in our life if we learn to speak the things of God. Sometimes speak life into people. 
Well, I just, you know, I, I just give people a piece of my mind. That's your problem. Your mind is full of junk. Uh, it needs to get cleaned up. Don't speak your mind. That's, that's where everybody gets in trouble. Am I right? Number five, are you ready for this? When you have the mind of Christ, when you are different, you don't worry about pleasing everybody. Oh, this is a good one right here. It's going to be a big one for some of you because some of you this morning are people pleasers. They, it dominates your life. You want to please everybody. You're worried about what everybody thinks about you. You're worried about everybody's opinion about you. You're worried about what they're saying here and here, saying this about you. Can I tell you something? Christ didn't worry about what people said about him. Jesus was not trying to please everybody. He was only trying to please God. Hallelujah. Jesus was not worried about trying to please the crowd. In fact, Jesus was not manipulated by the crowds. He wasn't manipulated by the crowd. He wasn't looking for their approval or disapproval. He didn't care how many likes that he got on Facebook. He didn't care if they retweet, uh, what is it, a, a, a retweet of his quotes, right? He didn't care if they liked him on Instagram. He didn't care if they put him on Snapchat. He didn't care about any of those things. Uh, he only cared, listen to me, for the audience of one. Let me read you what he says here in, in John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus said, I only try to please the one who sent me. Wouldn't your life be a lot more simple if that's all you were trying to do? If you were only trying to please the one who created you and made you, it'd give you a lot more peace, wouldn't it? I mean, it, it would probably relieve a lot of stress in your life. Isn't it true by the time you please group A, Group B is mad at you. And by trying, trying, you try to please group B, group A is now mad at you. So you're trying to please everybody in the world, and you just can't please everybody. You just can't please everybody. Jesus knew he had to please, and he had to please God. In fact, uh, God was so pleased with him, the Scripture says in Matthew 3, 17, it says, this is my son who I am well pleased. I love him, and I am well pleased with him. So obviously Jesus was doing a great job. He knew who he should please. Can I tell you something? You can't please everybody, and can I just be honest with you? God can't please everybody. Some of you are praying for rain. Some of you are praying for more sun. Some of you wanted to be hot. Some of you wanted to be hot, cold. I mean, who does God please, right? Some of you go, man, you want your team to win, and other people want this team to win. Who does he please? It doesn't matter, you know. And there's some teams, prayer won't even help you. The, the Raiders, the Cowboys, that's not going to help you. Prayer's not going to help you guys. I just thought I'd put that in there. Anyway, God can't please everybody, right? God can't please everybody. Am I right? Can I be honest as a pastor? I'm well aware of the fact. Listen to me. I'm well aware of the fact that I'm always not going to, I'm going to disappoint someone somewhere at some point in my life. I can't please everybody. People think, well, pastor, you ought to be doing this. Pastor, you should do this. You should act this way. You should do this. You go here. I, I just can't believe everybody. It's impossible. Luke chapter 16, verse 13 says, no one can serve two masters. 
So I'm not going to try to serve this person or that person. Yeah, you got to decide who you're going to live for. You're going to have to decide who you want to please. And see, Jesus knew who he was. He knew his identity. He knew his purpose. And this is why he wasn't looking for validation from other people. We're not careful. We're looking for validation. You're looking for how many likes you get on Facebook. And that validates you. Oh, I only got three likes today. Man, I only got 10. Man, this other person got 100. And I don't even like them. And so all of these different things, you're looking for validation because you're trying to please the wrong person. You ought to be pleasing God. Can I, can I be honest with you? Um, let me ask you a question. How many come to church for God? Okay. How many come to church for people? You just come for people. You just come to please people. You're not coming to please people, right? So you're here because of Jesus and not because of people. But that sound right? Yet a lot of people leave because of people. If you're leaving because of people and you're not here because of people, why would you leave because of people? That makes sense? If I'm not here because of people, why would I leave because of people? I'm here for God. God's not let me down. Am I right? Oh, that's preaching good now. And so 30 years, I got something to say. So Jesus never, Jesus never let the approval or fear of rejection control his life. He knew his purpose. In fact, all the scriptures that I've been reading so far have been scriptures, and they, I've, been, I've been quoting Jesus directly. So if you have any argument with what I'm saying today, you have an argument with the scripture this morning. Because basically what I'm quoting you today is what Jesus said. And let me ask you a personal question. Whose approval are you depending on for happiness? Because if it's not God, you'll never be happy. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never have peace in your life. You will always constantly have this worry. And this is why it's so critical this morning. This is why we're different today. We're not looking for the approval of people. We're not looking for their validation. All we want to do is please God. Somebody say amen. amen. Number six, are you ready for this? When you have the mind of Christ, when you are different, you have God's power. You depend on God's power and not your own. There's a lot of us this morning, you depend on your own power, your own ability, your own wisdom, and it's only going to get you so far. And when you're not depending on God's power, you're going to be a very insecure person. You're going to be insecure. You're not going to know who you are because you're depending on God, on your power and not God's power. You can't do it on your own. You can only go so far. You need the power of God in your life. Again, all the scriptures that I'm reading to you are directly from Jesus. Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verse uh, 19. I assure you that the son can do nothing by himself. And then it said he said he can only do basically what the father tells him to do. So when you read that scripture, he says, you know what? I, I, I don't do everything on my own. I, I could do nothing on my own. I only do what the father tells me to do, or he's the one that I'm doing it by. He's not working on his own. So this morning, when you're working on your own by yourself, you're separated or you're dependent on yourself and not dependent on God's power. 
He said, I don't do things on my own. I don't do things by my own power. How do you know if you're operating out of human power rather than God's power? Can, can I just tell you? You're tired. You're frustrated. You're stressed. You're insecure. You're fearful. There's no peace because you're operating on your own power and not God's power. I can tell people when they're operating on their they're, they're no different because they're operating on their own power. Human energy will run out. Human wisdom will run out. Too many Christians are trying to get to their aspiration and their goals on their own strength. Friend, it's going to wear you out. See, we have a hope. We have power. We have Holy Ghost power. Can you say amen? We have the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God is what strengthens us. The Spirit of God is what empowers us. The Spirit of God is what helps us accomplish what we do. When Paul began to operate and Paul began to minister the gospel, and we know that Paul went through great persecution. We know that Paul had a great, uh, there were many attacks that came against his life, but he was able to do it through the grace of God that empowers him. The Bible says that not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not your own power, not your own might, but by the spirit of God. Number seven, are you ready for this? What makes us different, and when we have the mind of Christ, is we're willing to forgive our enemies and those that hurt us. Oh, this is heavy already, see? I already felt the resistance, but I'm going to preach anyway. If you're going to be different, you're going to have to learn to think like Christ, and you're going to have to forgive your enemies and the people that have hurt you. This is the hallmark of Jesus' life. This is the hallmark of Christianity is forgiveness. It makes him, in fact, it makes Jesus different than any other religious leader that has ever lived is that Jesus was willing to forgive his enemies. We know Jesus is hanging on the cross. And one of the first things that he says that comes out of his mouth as blood is draining from him, as his life is being drained from him, the scripture says in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is the mind of Christ. That is the perspective that God wants us to have. Jesus is forgiving. Jesus is willing to forgive people who have hurt him. And let me ask you today, are you willing to forgive those that have hurt you? Who are you holding a grudge against? Who are you keeping that, that grudge and unforgiveness? Because I want you to know, as long as you hold on to that grudge, as long as you hold on to that unforgiveness, you're causing yourself pain. You're holding on to the pain. You're hurting yourself. You want that other person to die, but you're drinking the poison. You need to forgive people. See, Jesus was forgiving people even when they weren't asking for forgiveness. See, a lot of us will use that. Well, they, they, they've not repented. They didn't ask for forgiveness, so I don't need to forgiveness. forgive them. Jesus was forgiving people who weren't even asking for forgiveness. In fact, Jesus was forgiving people that didn't even acknowledge they were doing anything wrong. There may be people that have hurt you, that have done you wrong. Number one, will not acknowledge that they did it. 
Number two this morning, are not willing to admit any of those things at all or ask for forgiveness from you. And yet here is Jesus forgiving them even though they didn't ask for it. And can I just take it a step further? Jesus went a step further on forgiveness. He did good to those that did evil to him. I mean, it, it gets really, I mean, when we begin to read forgiveness, Jesus took it a step further, and he even tells us in Matthew 5, love your enemies. What? Bless those who curse you. What? Do good to those who hate you. What? And pray for those who despitefully, I'm not praying for that person who despitefully use you and persecute you. And when you begin to read those verses, those are verbs. Remember verbs? Verbs and action word. Remember in school? Verbs and action word. You got some action you got to take. It's just to bless. It's to forgive, right? Uh, uh, to do good to those. Uh, and so this is what it means this morning. To be different is that we're willing to forgive those that have hurt us. We're willing to do good to those that have wronged us. Hallelujah. Man, you guys got quiet in here for you guys were doing really good with the other ones, but it got a little tight right over here, and, and I, I don't know what that means. See, we're not careful. We're letting bitterness and resentment, and you're living in that bondage. You're living in that prison. It will destroy your life. Number eight. Are you, are, you, are you ready for this one? Number eight. When you are different, you are willing to sacrifice for others, not just yourself. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus was willing to lay his life for others. In fact, Jesus said, you know what? I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I didn't come for people to serve me. I came to serve others. He goes, and I came to give my life a ransom for others. And if you look again, those two verbs, to serve and to give. And so many times this morning, we're looking for people to serve us. We're looking for people to do things for us. And yet the scripture said Jesus was willing to sacrifice for others. He was willing to give his life for other people. You know what proof of a Christian is? Is that he's willing to sacrifice for others. How many know John 3, 16? All of us know it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We said, man, I know that scripture. But how many have ever read 1 John 3, 16? Those are toward the end of the New Testament, written by the same guy, John, but he wrote three epistles, the three letters called 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And, and 1 John 3, 16, you know what it says? It says, this is how we know what love is, real love. This is how we know that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives, what? For each other. Oh, my goodness. Did it just say what I just read? Yes, it does. And we ought to lay down our lives. for That's what causes us to be different. We're willing this morning to sacrifice our time, our lives for other people. We're willing to step aside and say, you know what? I'm going to put myself aside, and I'm going to put you first. See, this is radical to the culture that we live in this morning. What I'm talking about today, most people don't want to preach about. Most people don't want to talk about. See, we, we want to hear all the good things, but we don't want to have to do anything. We always say, well, Jesus did it all. He did. 
but then he gave you some responsibility that you need to carry out. And if we're going to be different, if we're going to be the change, if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we're going to have to live these things out. There are so many things that the Scripture tells us to do. Uh, and, and, and I'll just tell you, number nine this morning, I don't want my will to be done. I want his will to be done. I don't think I'm going to get through this whole place, but, but I do want to just say to you, in John 6, 38, Jesus said, uh, I came to do what God wants me to do, not to do what I want to do. Oh, my goodness, that's straight out. In other words, I'm not here to serve me and do my own thing. I'm here to do God's thing. I'm here to do what God called me to do. I'm here to do what the Father has called me to do. Do you realize this morning one of the byproducts of loving God is obedience? We can say we love God, but Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And so obedience is evidence of love. I'm going to say that again. Obedience is evidence of love. And so Jesus was willing this morning to put his self-will aside and to put God's will. Remember when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane? If I can have the, uh, the musicians come on up already. Remember he's in the Garden of Gethsemane there. He knows what he's going to go through. He knows the pain, the sacrifice. And he said, Father, if it was possible for this cup of suffering to pass me by, is it possible but he said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. That's what makes us different this morning, that we're willing to die to our self-will. We're willing to die to our selfishness. Are you with me this morning? We're willing to die to what we want, to what God wants for our lives. God, what do you want? What do you want for my life? Lord, uh, you know what? Uh, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But God, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.